Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. One week away from the Colts beginning at their 2022 training camp at Grand Park. I'm Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley is with me. It is Kevin's Corner on a Tuesday morning, July 19th. And one of my favorite podcasts of the year, Chris, is today. Um, I say that for probably two reasons. One, we're a week away from eh, Christmas might be too much of a statement to make, but we're inching closer to Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then two, I find myself internally debating so much with this list I do on an annual basis. I think it's like the fifth or sixth year I've done it. The most indispensable Colts for so long. Anthony Costanzo stood tall on that list yes. in more ways than one. And uh, it's changed, of course, over the years. I think we'll get a little bit of pushback on who I have number one on this list, potentially. Uh, but again, a lot of debate. I put a lot of thought into it. And so I'm excited to share uh, the 2022 most indispensable Colts list in my mind. Again, the, the guys you cannot lose. Uh, dude, injury or whatever, uh, we'll share that on today's pod. Well, the one of the first things I want to ask you is, what did you think of this weekend's golf tournament? Because I have had people reach out to me and tell me, you know, I kind of enjoy the the way that Kevin talks about golf and, and other sports as well. So what are your thoughts on how this uh, this golf tournament turned out? And as well, the the Pacers, I mean... Yeah, it's been a um, a little bit more of a busier month of July than we're used to in this market. Right. You know, the Pacers offseason certainly played into it. Let's start at the British Open, Chris. Um, again, we oftentimes, I think, speak in hyperbole in the immediate aftermath of an, an event. Um, it's kind of how we're wired. The back nine from Cameron Smith was one of the greatest back nine performances you'll ever see in a major. Um, this will sound weird to some people because I'm such a Tiger Woods fan. And to be fair, Tiger didn't put himself in a whole lot of these moments or these positions because Tiger often was a front runner and right. would, you know, pretty much after 54 holes, you could start engraving the trophy then. Tiger Woods never did this, has never done it. I hate to speak in past tense. Uh, it is unbelievable what Cameron Smith did. The birdies on 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. If you know St. Andrews, you've got to get those first five holes in the back nine. That's when it gets really difficult starting at 15 and 16 and 17. And he did that. And then also just to do it in that theater. I mean, 99% of that gallery is cheering for Rory McIlroy. Some terrific camera shots of NBC, you know, on the kid. He's got his double fingers crossed and, um, (laughs) you know, cheering for Rory. I don't know if I said this to you, Chris, but I think I was talking to my good friend Brian on Saturday of like, we love Tiger, or at least I think we love Tiger here in the States. He, you know, gets the most cheers or whatever. They love Rory 10 times more than we love Tiger. Like he is their son. And imagine yourself in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and picturing the cheers for Tony Kanaan and Elio Castroneves and Ed Carpenter all into one. And that's what you get with them and Rory. So uh, Hollywood, Though, uh, Cameron Smith had no time for that. He was going to ruin that script, and he did that <laughs> with that 64. And the Pacers, Benedict Matherin, you've heard me say it. I've got a crush on him, and I thought he played really well in the Summer League. So yeah, I'm excited to see what unfolds from there. The DeAndre Ayton news, of course. You can get a whole lot more of that on our morning show. That's Kevin and Query Every morning here, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. on The Fan. Yeah, and as you guys know, you can go to 107.5 thefan.com to pick up all of that coverage. I don't like to take Kevin too far off of the Colts podcast, but it is nice to interject some things here and there. Let's talk about your top five indispensable Colts. And are, let's do reverse order on this. Okay? We're going to go reverse order. So we're, we're going to start with DeForest Buckner. So this is a five to one list. And I guess at the end, Chris, I'll mention some names that just missed. In my eyes. Um, but let's start with DeForest Buckner. I'd say in years past, Chris, I've probably had him a little bit higher on the list. I think the presence of Yannick Ngakwe pushes him down just slightly. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, it is very rare to see a guy, in Buckner's case, play the position he does, a defensive tackle, 
and be as durable and consistent as he is. Um, so that is why I will go with DeForest Buckner here at Numero Cinco. Okay. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, um, if you listen to, and you should always go back and listen to the podcast for the morning show. Jonathan Taylor was rated, what, a 90-something on Madden? A 90- so I, I, I had it wrong this morning. I said 92. That, I guess, was last year. Okay. Um, I guess he's up to 96 on the Madden ratings there, which to me is well-deserved. You know, the thing about Taylor, and I guess should we just insert Taylor next here? As you said, yeah. Let's um, get let's go Taylor. Let's you know, go Jonathan Taylor. Chris, I wrote a story on him. I think a couple of weeks ago now, and I forgot until I looked it up. Jonathan Taylor had over eighteen hundred yards in the league rushing last year. Very impressive. That was five hundred yards more than anyone else. Nick Chubb second in rushing in the NFL. If you take that gap, it was five hundred and change. You take that gap from Taylor to Chubb. And then you take it from Chubb to wherever you get to on the list of 500 and some yards. I believe you have to go down to like 28th or 29th in the NFL in rushing to see that gap. And, you you know, again, I very early for me to go to a golf analogy, and I apologize, but whatever. When Tiger was at his peak, Chris, that was a stat that was always so impressive to me. Tiger's ranked number one in the world. You take the gap from Tiger to Phil Mickelson, one and two in the world at the time, mm-hmm. and then you take that same gap from Phil to whoever's next on the list, you'd go like 50 people down in the world rankings. And it, it just adds to how dominant of a season Jonathan Taylor had. So it's a little bit odd to put someone so dominant at his position four on the list. Mm-hmm. But again, it probably comes down to the position he plays and like in a pinch. If you're playing a Sunday afternoon game and Philip Lindsay and Naheem Hines are your duo, I'm not writing the Colts off. Whereas if the names above him on this list wouldn't play in a game, I think it'd be a bigger impact. And Kevin, um, true listeners of the show will understand this name. Cheeks. Yeah, Cheeks. <laughs> Have you seen? He actually shot a, a promo video with Taylor. So shout out to him he did very cool he showed me a couple clips of it i know he's done some work with darius leonard as well so cheeks for those that don't know uh was a huge part in our beers with bowen success before and and a great human being and a great talent behind camera as well i got lunch with him a few weeks ago yeah tell me about that um it was a good time the old pint room in carmel oh really yeah because he, he's up there yeah yeah let's go darius leonard that's your third person on the list let's talk about darius yeah, um, number three will be the Maniac. And as much as he looked limited at times last year, Chris, he had zero sacks last year. You know, I, I know, hate to bring up the moment, but the Derek Carr chance on the fourth down, mm-hmm. he still had four interceptions, three fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. He still just finds the ball at an extraordinarily rare level for a linebacker. Uh, and I know a lot of people point to that Arizona game on Christmas with so many guys missing due to COVID and EJ speed step in the lineup. If you were to extrapolate that out to a 17-game season, you would feel the loss of Darius Leonard. And think back to just one play he makes in a game that either changes the game or stops a big drive from an opposing team. Those are the plays that linebackers just don't make, and yet he makes them. Um, so I think... All the attention we had back in the spring, which is just a little bit over a month ago, of his weird injury situation, it's deserved because, again, he's different than Bobby O'Karake. He's different than EJ Speed, Anthony Walker. You know, Jarrell Freeman led this team in tackles for years, Chris. Right. Pat Angerer prior to that, but they just don't find the ball like Leonard does. Was it Freeman that you could go to McDonald's the next day and get uh, – <laughs> I think there was like a special – did they have one of those? You could get, like, a Big Mac if he had a sack. Yeah, yeah. I, I, one of my buddies, I'm trying to think, I think Holton Witchker, he'd go to Burger King. He was always happy when they had, like, three sacks in a game, so he'd go to Burger King on a Monday morning and get his, uh, you know, whatever, get his Whopper before he uh, headed into the office. But, yeah, Jarrell Freeman, uh, very underrated signing by Ryan Grigson. Right. Let's we'll, – Speaking of Ryan, let's so, go. To, so we have two left on the list. All speaking right? of Ryan, let's go to Matt Ryan. 
Yeah. Obviously, it, the the quarterback is the one who drives the car. You you've talked about this numerous times how we're going to go over and over and over again with with quarterbacks, but hopefully he stays here for a couple years. What do you think about Matt Ryan? Yeah, you know, Chris. Um, obviously, some people are probably thinking, "Oh, wow, you didn't have Matt Ryan number one." Um, I think the depth chart at quarterback is why I don't put Matt Ryan at number one. Nick Foles is a backup. If you're going to look at the 32 backups around the NFL, Nick Foles is probably in the top one, two, or three of the guys that you would want. Uh, If Sam Ellinger was the backup, (laughs) I would probably have Matt Ryan one on this list. But when you're talking about most indispensable – so often you have to talk about what else is on the depth chart with these guys. What does the position group look like? Chris, if I have a, you know, if I have point guards of Steve Nash and Magic Johnson, if I lose one, it's not the end of the world for me. But if I have a point guard group of Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Bowen, if I lose Isaiah Thomas, we're screwed. And that's what I'm getting out with the most indispensable, the guys you can't afford to lose. So I've got Matt Ryan, too, on the list um, because I just – if you lost Matt Ryan and Nick Foles came in there, okay, you know, I think he could keep keep the ship somewhat afloat. Now, if you're, again, going 17 games and you have Matt Ryan at center versus Nick Foles at center, the record is going to be a couple game different. But I don't think it's that drastic for one game. Um, So that kind of leads into – my number one on the list. Yeah, let's go to number one. Obviously, uh, a a position group that a lot of people are looking towards. You have, I, I don't think this is going to be uh, challenging for a lot of people. Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, I assume you know, some would say Matt Ryan won, uh, but I'm going to go with Michael Pittman won. And I debated it, but I didn't debate it that much. To me, I think Michael Pittman is the most indispensable Colt this year. Look at the depth chart. Look at it at wideout. Look at it at tight end. Chris, you have very, very little proven guys. Um, my co-host Jake Query asked Joel Erickson this morning a very interesting question about, I brought up Stephon Gilmore and just playing time, how much playing time Gilmore will have at 32 years old, being an injured right. guy in the lower body the last couple seasons. And, Jake asked Joel, as playing time increases for this player, who is that player that maybe you worry about a little bit? And the name that Joel mentioned was Mo Cox. You know, we've yet to see a number one burden on Mo Cox's shoulders. And we've seen flashes of it. You know, we've seen two or three games. I feel like it often happens early in a season where Mo really shows out, but then you just don't see it. Sustain. Now, again, Jack Doyle is no longer here, so you're going to need Mo more consistently. But that's what I'm getting at with how important Pittman is. Of He's a 1,000-yard wideout. No one else on this team has ever sniffed that. And then think about how great of a blocker he is. Pittman is not just, you know, T.Y. Hilton was not a guy that was on the field for every single snap. Yeah, Michael Pittman is on the field for virtually every single snap. And now is Zach Pascal gone? Right. There's a strong blocker. Jack Doyle's gone. There's a strong blocker. Pittman is going to be even more important. And to me, there's a trickle-down effect with if you lose Pittman, that impacts your quarterback. Where now all of a sudden Matt Ryan is hurt big time with that loss. So I, I think it might surprise some that I didn't put Matt Ryan number one on the list, but when I thought about it, I, I didn't have too much of a debate. Um, a lot of it has to do with the depth chart, but a lot of it also has to do with, I think Michael Pittman's a really good player, and I think, and this is a good and bad thing, probably more of a bad, honestly, but he's just separated himself from everybody else in yeah. that pass-catching room. So um, it's an award that I think has gone to uh, Anthony Costanzo, frequent winner, Andrew Luck, frequent winner of this award. Um, last year I might have had Buckner won. I think you did. And this year, it will go to Sticks. Right? Is that what they call people that wear number eleven? Yep. <laughs> and Michael Pittman. You want to jump to to Twitter questions? I want to get to a few others that I considered 
for this list okay, before we go jump for it. into that. Yeah. Again, this is a top five list. Um, right there, I went through five, four, three. And two. I think this is a good. I think this is a good thing that the fact that it's at your top five, but you have others on the radar. Yeah, I. That means our team is, you know, pretty built around. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's and you know, quarterback is going to fall on the list of any team right. in the league. It's probably the others that are a little bit more. Um, I will go with in some order. I, I guess I didn't put order on these. I think Julian Blackman would be a name that you would have to consider. Okay. And I'd say the Kari Wills retirement has contributed to that a little bit more. I would go with Ryan Kelly. Less to do with Ryan Kelly as a player, but let's say Danny Pinter starts at right guard. If Ryan Kelly gets hurt, Danny Pinter's got to move over to center, and now you've got to find a new right guard. So there's a domino effect to the right. offensive line with right. that. I would put Mo Ali Cox on the list because, again, Chris, the depth chart behind Mo Ali Cox is Kylan Granson, 11 career catches, Jelani Woods, zero, and Drew Ogletree, zero. Yeah. Uh, two others, Kenny Moore, Naturally. Versatile, versatile corner. Um, and then I would also put Yannick Ngakwe on the list. Um, it's just rare to find defensive ends. Ngakwe is probably a guy that could have pushed for a top five spot because it's rare to find at the edge rushing position a guy that puts on his jersey every week and then finishes the year with double-digit sacks. But that's what Ngakwe, you know, when you see Ngakwe's name fall on the list with Reggie White and Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt, you're like, what the hell? You're like, how? Right. The reason why is not because he goes out and gets 17, 18 sacks in a season. It's because he plays every single game in a season, and therefore, by being available, he finds double-digit sacks. We'll so get, I, I, I want to like kind of clarify what I'm saying here with Ngakwe. He's not a first-team All-Pro guy. He's not T.J. Watt. He's not Miles Garrett. But... He is a guy that just by his availability, that leads to him being a pretty productive guy. You know who he is, Kevin? He's a what they would call in the locker room a dog. Yeah, D-A-W-G? D-A-W-G. I think if Robert Mathis saw, like Robert Mathis would say, this guy's a dog. I, I They punch the ball. They just, they do their yeah. work. They do their due diligence. It's... It's someone that we are going to appreciate and we have not had on that line of scrimmage for a long time. Chris, I think I've made this analogy before, but look at the Pacers. Okay. Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald. If you're going to go pick a basketball team tomorrow and both guys are healthy and you've got one game to play, you're probably picking Brogdon. But yet, if you look at what Buddy Hill's career has been, he plays. Yes. He's available for you. Correct. You get return on his investment, whereas Brogdon, if you look at the games he played, he's probably making like $400,000 per game <laughs> because it's just he barely plays. Right. Um, so that's, I think, another side of it that you have to look at with that. So, as always, I, I enjoy feedback on this list. Um, curious what your guys' thoughts are and... I think there's a debate you can obviously have. Stefan Gilmore would probably be a name that some people might have uh, put on said list. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I just think Kenny Moore provides more value, and I I think the Colts have a nice four at corner. And I think, Faison, I think I think value, Isaiah Rogers. I think value is the key word there. Yeah, val and value within this defense. You know, if they are going to do a little bit more, um, we will see. Um, and I guess I'm trying to think of who else I would have put on it. Maybe Hines, but this is where um, I would go on that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump to Twitter questions. We have a, a, a lot to get to today um, as we approach training camp. Um, this is like our peak time of the season uh, when, it, when it comes to the podcast. Let's go to Brian first. He loved the Ballard vs. Grixon podcast. Results matter in the NFL. 42-42 and 42 is mediocre at best. The Colts must figure out the quarterback position. At this rate, who will be the next washed-up quarterback the Colts trade for? 
by the way, I am a Matt Ryan fan, and I thought it was a gift. But again, no plan and gift is given sooner than later. Santa doesn't come. Uh, yeah, Brian, I, I I did chuckle at that question, and I will say that um, I feel like, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the feedback has been pretty good towards last week's podcast. You know, I was a little uncertain about doing it just because it is a question that you know, I feel like maybe people are tired of or people don't think it merits a debate. Um, but I thought it was presented um, in, in a pretty balanced way. I thought um, you did a great job balancing it out. Pros and cons. Yeah, and I guess I, I know it sounds weird. I'm like looking for you to like praise me, which is stupid. But um, I, I'm glad that you guys felt like there was a little bit of, huh, I hadn't thought about that or like this side of it. Uh, interesting enough, uh, some of the parties involved in said debate did reach out. Um, we'll, we'll insert those conversations as need be moving forward. Um, Brian, to your point, and I obviously don't want to belabor the Grigson-Ballard debate any longer than this question is being asked, so we'll move on after this. But the biggest argument of the Grigson has done better than Ballard era, outside of record, or I guess maybe this, this this contributes to record, Chris, boils down to the premium positions on your football team. And again, quarterback, you, you're gifted Andrew Luck. Left tackle, you're gifted Anthony Costanzo. Chris Ballard did not have that. He had Costanzo for a couple of years. Obviously, the Luck situation, we saw how that played out. But you look at the other three premium spots, wide out, DN, and corner, and you look at the best season the Colts had under Grigson, the 2014 year of the AFC title run, you had T.Y. Hilton really, I think, emerging big time on the scene. Because, you know, Reggie was washed up at that point. T.Y. is really, and again, that's a draft pick. That's a third-round pick that in year three, and look at today's NFL. Year three for these wideouts, that's the year. I mean, we just saw it with Debo and D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin, and now I think Colts fans hope to see it with Michael Pittman. D.N. that year, Mathis led the league in sacks a year before, who emerged in that 2014 year was Jonathan Newsom, you know, a, a fifth round pick who had the huge sack of Manning in the mm-hmm. AFC title game. I think he had six or seven sacks in that season. And I think I talked about it on last week's podcast. The best player on that football team during that playoff run was Vontae Davis. Right. Yeah. And those are the, again, wide out DN corner, all three of those guys, Gregson additions. Um, and that's why I think you saw a run there. Obviously luck helps so much and alleviates so much stress when you don't have to worry about quarterback. But I do think there's acknowledgement that needs to be made to those other positions that were really critical in that team doing what they did. Right. Let's jump to a question from Tyler. In your opinion, what percentage would you give T.Y. Hilton returning to the Colts this season? And I think this is a question that a lot of people probably have. Yeah, Tyler, um, totally fair. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't have a great read. On the situation, um, I would say it's dropping a bit. And, you know, Chris, I think a lot of people are like, why haven't we seen a move? Why haven't we seen a move? This is the quietest time for NFL moves. There's no reason to sign a guy on June 28th versus July 22nd. You don't, you can't do anything as a team in late June, early July, mid-July. Um, you might see a veteran signing next week right before the start of camp. And that makes sense. You know, as long as the guy's in shape, you come in here and your first day of practice is Wednesday, July 27th, and you go. Um, I'm a firm believer that the Colts need to get to like August 8th or 10th, somewhere around that range. And then you got to make a hard decision of saying, all right, we need to get a vet in here. And we need to have three weeks to get that guy up to speed because we know what the start of the season means um, to this franchise as it should. Right. Especially the first two weeks this year, yeah, yeah. Definitely, with what the schedule looks like. And, yes, they're two road games, but they're both division games and two of the easier games you're going to see. You know, Frank Reich, and we've talked about this a lot, his loyalty, his belief. Chris, I think if Frank Reich had you or I in the slot, he'd be like, well, you know, Bowen, he just – He's got a long wingspan, and I feel like there's something to work with. And, you know, Presley in the red zone, you know, people underestimate his ability to climb the ladder. And behind a closed door, he probably is a little bit different. 
But I remember asking Frank this late May, early June, like, hey, you guys have mentioned that this springtime is a big evaluation period for the wideouts, and you'll kind of make a decision then on if you need to go out and find a veteran wideout. Is that still the case? You know, something along those lines. He's like, yeah. He's like, but I already know what my answer is going to be. I'm going to tell Chris that I believe in him. And I'm like, I mean, that kind of defeats the purpose of even going out there to practice. You know, like if you're already going to tell him that you believe in him. Right. You know, you got to come with an on. And again, maybe Frank Reich is different behind a closed door. But at times we've seen those public words, i.e. the Adam Vinatieri situation, also follow with actions of sticking with that guy. It's like you can have blind loyalty is not going to get you far in any profession, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the NFL. You've got to be an honest assessor of your talent. Uh, it's one of those things where Monday through Saturday, critical, honest, um, you know, all of those things. And then you get to Sunday, and it's like these these 46 guys, here we go, boys. This is us. Let's band together. And then if Chris Presley's got to put on a jersey, you're like, all right, I got to believe in you. And sure, there's you know points and times in a game where it's like, all right, let's scale back, let's do a little bit more, those things. It's just, um, you know, I, I assume he is a little bit more honest, but, you know, if you're going to show the 31 other wide receiver groups in the league to Frank Reich, he can't sit there with an honest, I'd like to hook up a lie detector to him and be like, you really think, you know, you've got one of the best, you know, things like that. Right, the blind faith, yeah. Yeah. Um, what- well, well, Kevin, if, if you were – if. You had to throw on a jersey. What number are you wearing? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'd probably go like 66. <laughs> you know, I'm with the guys that are just throwing back a few beers and, you know, section You're the guy who's like, I'm checking in. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm an eligible receiver right now. Yeah, I'm like the Ron Artest <laughs> okay. of the NFL. Tyler, uh, to your point, what percent chance? I, I'd put it at less than 40. Um, again, in my opinion, I'd put it a little bit higher. It just seems to me that the Colts want to stick with – these guys right now, these these younger options, and that the next time we see a T.Y. Hilton Colts association, it's going to yep. be thank you for the memories on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, let's go to a question. I didn't mean to interact it this way, but let's go to a guy who might be an eligible receiver and eligible quarterback over under from Jordan Yeah, that Jelani Woods' passing attempts this year is .5. He feels like Frank Reich will utilize that former quarterback and converted tight end at least once in a trick play to the red zone. Let's go over, baby. You know, I I, I hope it's over. You know me. I love dialing it up. Um, You know, I thought they used Sam Ellinger a little bit more last year than I thought they would Mm kind of in this. um, You know, tight end I know is different. You know, I've. You know, heard from people that they think tight end is one of the hardest positions to learn, period, for a collegiate coming to the NFL, um, like right up there with really any other outside of quarterback, of course. Uh, but sure, yeah, well, why not? December, Jelani Woods has earned some trust, and I don't know how it would look, a tight end throwing a pass. I guess at some point you'd have to kind of line him up in the backfield to get to that point. But uh, and Jelani, I don't believe, I think – Boy, it's been a couple years. I mean, like four yeah. years since he was a quarterback at Oklahoma State there. So, Jordan, I'm probably speaking with a little bit of my heart here, but let's go over. Next one comes from the power that be. I'm hearing a little buzz about some teams using alternate helmets. Will we ever get one? If not, will we? And what do you think it would look like? Ooh. I know we did one, what what was it, Thanksgiving in yeah, Detroit it, with it, the – and I like that one a lot. The horseshoes in the back, right? Yeah, I um, um, I like that one a lot. So I would like to see something like that. The Colts are so traditional with their jerseys and alternate stuff, and I mean the color rush. It just honestly it just looks right. like you know Rosie got the blue <laughs> marker, and I left the room for you know two or three minutes. Um, I like the Texans. Did they just come out with the alternate one? Is that? I think that's probably where this question is referencing. Yeah, I think it. I think it was. Yeah, yes. give me old school logo. I, I I don't know a little bit of a pure blue look to it as well. Um, yeah, I, I am. Would you, you, would, you got, you, would you go like matte black blue with the? Ooh, uh, yeah. I could go the there. bronking pony. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one I like. That's the logo that I like. Okay. Again, my artistic view is laughable. 
uh, to be honest with you. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But I think it should be, and I felt like Thursday night football was trending towards this, but I'd like to see an alternate uniform for one game a year. Every team. I mean, get play 17 of them. I don't need to see the same jersey every week. I don't need to see Oregon, but I don't need to see the same jersey every week. So one alternate uniform over the course of 17 games. And it sells jerseys, too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I'm I mean, not NFL, even... you're you're a moneymaker. Right. I mean, baseball, what, you're Reds fans, correct? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, how many jerseys do they wear? Yeah. You have a gray, you have a white, right. you have a red. You, ha- I mean, sell them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. Sign me up for that. Okay, this one comes from Josh. Planning on coming to Grand Park for the first time this year. Kevin will be out there most days of the week. Every day, baby. Every day. Every day. Curious about a few things. Uh, what is there to do besides watching practice? His fiance is a huge Eagles fan mm. and really hoping to score a Nick Foles and Frank Reich autograph. Mm. Is there any way to find out the best days that they might be able to do that? Okay, so a lot here. And, Chris, you have been out there as well. So I do. I live um, next to it now. I just moved back north. There we go. So feel free to chime in on any things you have liked or just suggestions in general. Okay. Um, first off, I want to say this. The Colts going off-site for training camp is just awesome that they do that from a community standpoint. And I know it probably sounds like I'm carrying the Colts water, but I genuinely mean this. Chris, 20 years ago, you had... I think 26 or 27 of the 32 teams go off-site for training camp. Now, you have six teams in the entire NFL that go off-site for camp. Dallas does their whole shebang in California. We know that one. Right. And then a lot of the other ones that go off-site are kind of the blue-collar teams almost, or kind of the smaller-ish fan bases. The Bills go to St. John's College. Pittsburgh goes to Latrobe. Uh, Kansas City goes to Missouri Western. Uh, the Colts go to Grand Park. You know, used to go to Anderson, Rose, Holman. Um, so, yes, yeah, six out of 32. And yet you have a, a team, your fan base, or as a fan, I should say, your team is offering 16 free practices at a really cool venue. I, selfishly, I kind of wish they, they still went to one of the colleges, but whatever. Right. Uh, and you can get really close. I mean, you've been to Grand Park, yeah. Chris. I mean, you are, you're sitting in Section 110 right behind the bench. I mean, it's... You're five yards away from the field. How they've done autographs in the past, and autographs have changed with COVID and whatnot, but I think they're now back to normal. I believe offense signs one day, defense signs the other. You want Nick Foles' autograph, you need to, my advice would be uh, paint your chest in an Arizona Wildcat jersey. Uh, something just astronomical to get his attention. Um, yeah, you got to stand out, certainly. You know, you got to yell weird things, probably. Uh, not too creepy, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, lastly, what else to do? I think Colt City's pretty cool. I, I can't say I like walk around there actively looking for the various tents and whatnot, but if I were coming to training camp practice, never been before in my life, I'd probably get to Grand Park an hour early just to see a little bit of the campus, walk around Colt City for 20, 30 minutes. You know, a lot of inflatables. You know, you can go get your picture of the cheerleaders, an alumni player here. I'm sure there's some season ticket stuff. I'm sure Blue will be out there as well. Um, good food and drink, usually. There's some local component to some of the food and drink. Yep. There's specific days they often have as well, kind of community days. And um, Anything else that you've been out there that you've noticed? Well, I think ironically, since uh, you guys or your wife, Josh, is a Birds fan, uh, Birdie's Golf Course, it's a little putt-putt course out there, close. Um, there's a lot of things to, to eat and drink and, and, and go around. So the entire area has developed because of Grand Park. Westfield has grown immensely because of Grand Park. Yeah, mm-hmm. And... and- Again, it's a cool venue in itself because it's so vast. Right. But I also think the fact that it's something to where, for free, you're getting within earshot of the player. I mean, if you spend $200 on an NFL ticket, you're still not within five yards of the field. (laughs) You know, you got to spend a whole lot more than that. So, um, yeah, I I think it's really cool. Kevin, we're going to jump to a question from Charles. Pending a Super Bowl victory, 
we will most likely be in the market for another quarterback for the future. Doesn't know how early, but do you have eyes on an do you have eyes in terms of a quarterback prospect in 2023 or do you think that we will see another quarterback shuffle like we did this last off season mostly with new guys Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Tua Tagovailoa those are the ones that comes to the top of his head yeah um <laughs> i'll be honest with you i have not started to look at the quarterback market <laughs> uh, off season wise for 2023 you know, the name that I kind of like in college, and obviously I think everyone knows the Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and those names, but the guy I'm kind of intrigued by is a former Notre Damer who transferred out of the program. He now is the quarterback in Boston College, Phil Jerkovic. Um, he's a built a, a little like Josh Allen, kind of the bigger, okay. athletic, can sling it now, a little erratic at times, uh, but he is a name that I am – Interested to see. Ironically, Boston College plays at Notre Dame this year. I think it's Notre Dame Senior Day, uh, which that's you know that's a juicy <laughs> headline right there, based off Notre Dame and Boston College's history. Let alone the quarterback transferring, all those things. You know, I feel like we don't get a lot of that in college athletics. So that is something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, so that is a name, and you know, Charles, to your point, again, are these the names that we have to start kind of looking towards? You know, I think we all expect the Colts to win what. At least nine games, something like that. Yep. Good chance they're drafting late first round. And we had a question, I don't know if it was last week, Chris, but someone pointed out and did a great job of all the teams that have multiple first round picks for this coming draft and how QB needy all those teams are. Yes. Like yes. Houston, Seattle, Detroit. I know I'm missing a few others. Right. But first off, those teams suck. So you think they're going to get one of the top <laughs> picks. And then also, they've got the ammo. You know, to move up, whereas the Colts sit here and they just probably aren't going to have that. So, you know, is this something to where if you're going to draft a QB in 2023, it's going to have to be the fourth or fifth quarterback in this draft class? Next one comes from Dakota and um, also mentions thanking myself, Mark, and Jake, who are your producer and co-host for your morning show. <laughs> and I don't think Mark's going to like this question. Could you see the Colts pursuing Justin Fields if he has a disappointing season with the Bears? And what is a good trade package for Justin Fields? Boy, um, yeah, this is, boy, poor Mark Dykton. Poor, poor Matt Eberflus, maybe. <laughs> um, I can't see the Bears bailing after year one, but I, I, don't, I guess they don't have any ties to him, you know, from a GM head coach standpoint. Obviously, organizationally, they have some ties to him. You know, the scar tissue, you guys have heard me say that often. I always worry about that, especially in a big market, you know. We've seen it with Carson Wentz, and I, I like Justin Fields. I like him coming out of college. But I like guys that have clean slates a little bit more. And I think Justin Fields has been thrown a lot already in his rookie career. He's already dealing with a new head coach. And, you know, if he has great su success, um, his offensive coordinator, Luke, whatever his name is, probably going to leave, <laughs> you know, so then he's going to have to deal with that again. What would it take? I don't know. Some earliest round pick. I, yeah. And, and Dakota, first off, thank you. I should, probably should mention this. Thank you for your loyalty. Um, that is right <laughs> uh, to the nth degree, and I'm much, much appreciated for that. But yeah, I mean, it would take. I, I would, I think a first rounder, maybe a second, to get Justin Fields. Always love hearing this. This one comes from Alex. Kevin, he's been a longtime listener to the podcast, but he's a first-time writer on Twitter questions. Let's go. He lives in Arkansas. Loves that we got some big dudes now, and he's big is emphasized. Yeah, woo pig suey, right? Right. <laughs> Who are the first five guys off the bus? So we can start there, and then okay. also a follow-up question. Also hearing that Bobby Okereke is beasting in OTAs, and is it possible to keep him while we also pay Darius Leonard, or will there be too much money tied up in linebackers? First five guys off the bus. I like this. Um, you know, when I think of off the bus, I'm thinking just sheer size, right? You got to go size, right? You know? Uh, so Buckner and Nelson are coming off the bus first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll probably put Buckner like first left. 
Nelson first right, and they can figure out who wants to go first, <laughs> but they're definitely in the first row there. You know who I think just looks like a polar bear, and I've noticed the polar bears more and more with going to the zoo with Rosie, <laughs> but I think Braden Smith's a polar bear. Just looks like a polar bear. Just belongs right in the zoo. Just, he's a polar bear. <laughs> uh, I'll go Braden Smith. Okay. Next. Gotta throw Mo Alley Cox in there, right? Yeah. Just sheer size and fifth demeanor. Yeah. I've always said I feel like EJ Speed's EJ Speed's a really good looking athlete. Just like he comes off the bus and you're like, what position does that guy play? You know, you're kinda like, is that a tight end? Is that, is that a, a D end? Is that a white oh, it's a <laughs> linebacker? Um so he'd be the the other one. Obviously Jelani Woods would probably get a lot. I mean your wide end, your your wide ends, your wide outs, and, and Pittman and Patman and those guys would probably draw a little bit of interest as well. But I'm gonna stick with those five. I'll, I'll go with EJ Speed to round out my my quintet off the bus. Oh, and then his his other one. What did you say was on Okereke getting a second contract? Yeah. Do we have enough money to have uh, Okereke yeah. and Darius Leonard on the same? I think it's a little tight. I, I mean. You've got no ideal Mike linebacker on the roster to kind of replace him. You want Darius Leonard in the will. Could EJ Speed become a Mike? Does the Mike matter as much with Gus Bradley? I mean, Bobby Wagner would probably have something to say about that, but um, I guess my Bobby Wagner, I probably have to go back to the earlier Seahawks days. Um, but, yeah, I, I would I, – I just – you know, if Okereke is going to get three for – 20-something from somewhere else, then yeah. I, I don't see the Colts having that. This one comes from Jason. If the if Jonathan Taylor keeps being Jonathan Taylor for several years and ends up with a gold jacket conversation to go to the Hall of Fame due to being a top 10 ever running back, uh, which will carry more weight in this debate, and then added benefits to the 17 games of the de-emphasized of the running games of today's NFL. Okay, give that to me one more time. Which one will carry more weight? What will which will carry more weight? Okay. The added benefit of 17 games or the de-emphasized on the running game in today's NFL. Okay, interesting. Well, you know, when you're Mike Chappell and you're presenting Jonathan Taylor into the Hall of Fame, just knock off his 17th game off every season and then still stand up there and say you know, he's a, I mean, hell, he's a Hall of Fame. We're two years into it. He's on his way to go to the Hall of Fame. Correct. We're two years into it. I could repeat that 37 more times and all of you <laughs> would turn off the podcast, but just make sure you continue to hear that when I'm talking about him. I mean, hell, he's probably on his way to being a first ballot Hall of Famer if you really want to get technical and you really want to walk out on a ledge with me after two years, I guess. Are you really walking out on a ledge? It is running back, though. Um. I think the lack of the workload for the running back, the de-emphasis, I guess, in Jason's words, mm -hmm. I, could that help him? In saying you don't see running backs do this anymore. You aren't seeing running backs carry the ball 300 times in the NFL on an annual basis. I mentioned it earlier, Chris. He had a 500-yard gap on Nick Chubb for number one and two on the list. Right. You know, Derrick Henry, it was bad luck, but also it shows like an element of the game, which I've always said this about Frank Gore. I think the Hall of Fame has a component of longevity in professional football that has to be acknowledged. I could say that about all sports, but particularly in football. Football wears you out physically, mentally, unlike any other sport. It's gladiator-like. It's why we love it. So I think that matters. So I would say that you could turn that into a pro with that one there. Um, I mean, the bus, he said that he used to have to crawl down the steps Monday and Tuesday to just go to practice. Like Those must be some big steps. Those, those guys. you imagine Jerome Bettis? you imagine if someone lived below him? <laughs> it's like, well, Jerome, you should, one, you should probably not sleep on the second floor, but. Yeah. Well, like, that's, it's just, it, that's just, it, it takes a toll on your body, your certainly. knees and your hips and your back. That's why it matters to me. Yeah. The longevity. Okay, from Steven, the three most important positions for in Matt Eberflus's system uh, were the slot corner, will linebacker, three technique. What are the three most important positions for Gus Bradley's scheme, and how comfortable are you uh, 
um, with the depth at those positions? Yeah, it's a good question, Stephen. I'd probably throw kind of a roaming safety in there. I mean, I, I still think the three positions you mentioned are very important. Um, the one I'd probably say is different is that Leo position that we've talked about. It's more the pass rush centric defensive end. Yanni Ngakwe mm-hmm. would be the guy there. The depth I don't like at that position, but I like Ngakwe at that position. Um, and then I, I'm curious, can I put it on hold? I'm just curious to see about safety. Again, depth at safety, a little bit right. up in the air, but if Julian Blackman can give you some of that, he's a really good player. Okay, four more. Why bother sports? This is an action, This is kind of a fun question. If you could trade for one player from each AFC South team, who would you pick? But the stipulation from this question is you have to give up roughly the equal value for the same position. Only players can swap to be allowed, i.e., if you trade Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, you have to, you have to give them Matt Ryan, et cetera, et cetera, Josh Allen at the end, you know, so. That's interesting. Um, Boy, under those circumstances, I don't know if i trade for many, you know? Like, is there a great left tackle? Is Cam Robinson, you know, a good enough left tackle? Taylor Lewan? I, uh, boy, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think. The Titans have Harold Landry. Would I trade Yannick Ngakwe for Harold Landry? I'd probably trade him for Harold Landry's contract because it's X amount of years <laughs> moving forward, whereas Ngakwe is a free agent. I love Robert Woods on this football team, but I'm not giving up Michael Pittman for him. Correct. I mean, the guy who did... um. The Jets took Sauce Gardner and Houston took Derek Stingley Jr. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I take Stingley Jr. I trade Stephon Gilmore for Derek Stingley Jr. in a heartbeat. Okay. Um, but basically, I think about this question. I just think the AFC South sucks. It's just a horrible division. It's just a bad, bad football division. Which is why week Again, one and two are so massive. Put the AFC South on True TV and put. The AFC West on CBS, you know, it's back during the March Madness, and it's right. give me every AFC West game on there, and then make me scroll to True TV to find uh, Jags versus Texans. Okay, we cannot have a podcast without an Andrew Luck question, so this one comes from Drew. Which set the Colts back more, Andrew Luck retiring or the Carson Wentz trade? Oh. Well, without a doubt, luck retiring. I mean, set the. I mean, luck did it two weeks before the start of the season. So, which costs you more? I mean, if you really want to get technical with like the cost, I mean, Ursay forked over twenty seven million. Whoop de doo. That's him. I mean, obviously, it costs you a first round pick in the Carson Wentz deal. So, if you want to go there, you get a little technical. But again, luck's timing of it. If Luck retires in February, Chris, right. you at least have a March and April free agency draft to maybe do something differently. It wouldn't have altered things too, too much, but it could have got you in a position uh, to at least have another offseason. This one comes from Jason. In context to the Rams pushing all their chips in to get the title compared to the sustained regular season excellence of the twenty or the 2,000 Colts teams, what is the longest streak? Uh, 12 to 13 win regular season, or would you give that up for a Super Bowl? Before that being said, a lot of great seasons. Wouldn't like to give up one just for one championship. Okay, so the debate here is a bunch of good regular seasons versus one Super Bowl? Correct. Yeah, give me the Super Bowl. You have to have the Super Bowl, right? I mean, yeah, get, I want to win. Got to get the ring. Yeah, give me the parade. Give me the joy. The one year of basking in it. Did you the go to the run, parade? The build up. I did not go to the parade. Where was I? Was I in college? No, no you I would have been high school. like a junior. Yeah. In high school. I mean, I hate to say this, but I was probably like in high school. <laughs> you know, like like actually like attending high school that day. Um Yeah, it, it's interesting. Because honestly, the Colts, like, let's say you, you take out that Colt Super Bowl. Right. And you just say they go on that run. But then would you rather watch that, or would you rather be an Eagles fan and see the Super Bowl they had a few years ago? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm sure there are people out there that would take the regular season run, which are, are great. I mean, darts to the dartboard. You guys hear me say that all the time. Don't take that for granted. The NFL's filled with parody, all of those things. But uh, hoist the Lombardi to steal one from Chuck. You always have to take the ring. 
Okay, from Gary, we got two more left. Reggie Wayne, Cato June, back in the office. They're obviously Colts. Uh, um, greats. Colts co- greats and coaches now. Yeah. He feels like, are we taking Colts favorites and choosing nostalgia over picking the best Colts or best coaches that are out there? Yeah, Gary, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I like the ex-player vibe. But It's a little college but I think you needed something different. You know, yeah. you guys have heard me say it. Inject life. Um, you needed something different, so I'm I'm good with it. Last one comes from Cody. He has a fun summer question for the podcast. A couple weeks ago, you broke down the potential 53-man roster. He wants to know if you take it a step further. What are your all-time Colts 53-man? What would your all-time 53-man Colts roster look like? Whew. Yeah. Um, and thanks for everything you do as a Colts fan. Hope your family is doing well. Well, Cody, I appreciate that, and it's probably fitting you put in there. I hope the family's doing well because if I sat down and <laughs> broke down a Colts 53-man roster from 1984 to now or even dating back further, um, I don't know if I'd have the family much longer. Um, that is a hard list. I mean, 50, I mean I'm just, like, geez. thinking out loud here. Okay. Okay, my quarterbacks, Peyton Luck. I got Johnny Unitas. Do I have room for all three in the 53-man roster? How about my running backs? Lenny Moore, Edron James, Marshall Falk, Jonathan Taylor, Dickerson. I mean, God, I got to cut one of them. Right. <laughs> uh, my wideouts, Marvin Reggie, Raymond Barry, T.Y. Hilton, Bill Brooks. I mean, like, Cody, I can I just maybe next year. Maybe next year. I mean, just even on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know how yeah, many the people you can keep. <laughs> absurd. Absolutely absurd. So, boy, I love the idea, but I, that would take me <laughs> a long, long time to accurately do. I don't want to half-ass it. That's why Madden comes out every year, and you can go back and yeah, something like that, right? do all that stuff. All right, man. Does that wrap it up? That wraps it up. That was the last question. Cool. Uh, I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Chris Presley. Next week, report day is Tuesday, Chris. What do you think about like an afternoon one on Tuesday? That's fine. Okay, maybe that. Maybe Wednesday morning. We'll kind of sift through that a little bit more and figure out exactly what we want to do on that front. But yeah, report day Tuesday. We'll we'll try to come, um, I guess, during the off days. Uh, we'll, We'll do some training camp pods there. But, yeah, you guys know how we roll in training camp. Written coverage will be abundant on the website. That is 1075thefan.com. You will have tons and tons of outlets there and uh, YouTube videos as well mm-hmm. from Grand Park. Um, I think we'll be up there for a couple of shows. And then, as always, we'll have our podcast available to you as well. So I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Chris Presley. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.